All right. Well, church, we're going to have a reading from God's Word in the Old Testament. Can you guess which book it's going to be in? It's going to be in Esther, the book of Esther, a fascinating book, fascinating history book in God's Word. Pastor Randy's taking us through this. It's been really, really interesting and a blessing. This is going to be from Esther chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. Esther chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he brought up because she had neither a father nor a mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther was also taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. And every day he, that is Mordecai, he walked back and forth near the courtyard to the harems to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Let's skip down to verse 17. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any other of the virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, but Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do so for she, was continued, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when, she, when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Tiresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. All this was recorded in the book of the annals in the presence of the king. And there's a lot more to the story. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward, open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear from you this morning. Amen. 
Well, guys, thanks so much for the opportunity to speak to you on Father's Day. It is always a privilege and always an honor to do that. I uh, never take for granted this opportunity, so thank you for allowing me to. Well, as you know, today is Father's Day, and you might think to yourself, well, how in the world are we going to keep going on Esther whenever we're talking about a female hero, a heroine, or, you know, where's the man in this story? Well, I'm here to tell you that there are truly a couple of heroes in this story. One is our heroine, which is Esther, and she is incredible. There's no doubt about it. But there is also a hero in this story, and that is the man she basically looked at as her father. Now, he was not her biological father, but he was incredibly important and her father figure in her life. Now, let's go to this something to learn very quickly, and we'll kind of talk about it. Talk about Esther's titles here. You can go back if you don't mind. That's fine. Let's talk about, we've already been in part one, God's unseen providence, God's fingerprints in the story, even when his name is not expressly mentioned. And then last uh, week, we talked about Queen Esther's strength and dignity, the woman who stood out among a crowd of beautiful women because of her inner beauty. And then on today's lesson, we're going to be talking about a connected and a courageous father. And it's interesting because he's not actually the biological father of Esther, but in many ways, he is is in every way uh, the the father of Esther. So let's go to something to learn, and uh, we'll talk about this. We've talked already that God's name is not expressly mentioned in the pages of Esther, and yet his fingerprints are all over it. As Eric mentioned at the end of the passage that he just read, there is so much more to the story, and this is really important. Sometimes the throwaway lines just don't seem like they're very important, but when the end of the chapter was being written there, He said that Mordecai's name was written down in the annals of the chronicles of what was going on for the Medes and Persian Empire. His name was listed in a book. And then the Bible tells us that basically it was forgotten. But here is what is beautiful about living with God by your side. No matter what seems like it's not important and no matter what you think is a throwaway, it is not a throwaway because God uses everything He doesn't waste a single hurt. He doesn't waste a single heartbreak. He doesn't ever just kind of miss the idea of, oh, that was a good deed. Hopefully one day that will happen to be something good for them. Mordecai's name is written down and it comes into play in the biggest way possible later. But for right now, it feels like God's absent, which is so perfect when you deal with Esther that does not actually have the name of God in the book and yet his fingerprints are all over it. Probably you and I have both experienced that in our lives. And as a father, I will tell you that there are dark days that feel like you are not making an impact, that you are not making a difference, that you're not reaching the people that you want to be reaching, whether that's your child or your grandchild or whoever it might possibly be. But here's the deal. You are always making an impact. You probably just don't realize it because God is at work in you and in your life. Now, real quickly, I'm just going to flash this up here, the way that you can keep them straight, because I know that if you haven't really heard every lesson, or if you're a person who maybe at the beginning of a story that you're reading, you're like, okay, now which one was that? Because this isn't exactly Joe and Steve and, you know, all of these regular, ans- uh, regular names, so sometimes it's a little hard to keep up. But these are the different ones. There's Xerxes, Vashti, Mordecai, who is who we're going to study and kind of focus on today. The man who raised an orphan cousin as if it were his own. 
And then Esther, the beautiful young Jewish orphan, pressed into a beauty pageant for the highest stakes. And if you were here last week, you know she won. Well, let me just talk with you very quickly about last week's episode. If we were talking about this being almost like a book or a story or a movie. Last week's episode was King Xerxes, the ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire, deposing. That means getting rid of or stripping her of her title and her office. Queen Vashti, because she refused to come before his guest when summoned. Xerxes finds a new queen, Esther, a beautiful Jewish orphan that's being raised by her cousin Mordecai. And that's where we're going today. That's where we're going to sit and kind of study a little bit. Now, I just want to say something very quickly It's really, really important. I want to jump to the slide where it says what a dad is. Can you go back to the next slide there? Here's what a dad is, and I want to be very clear. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm not trying to reach for something that's not there. The truth of the matter is is that this is a very biblical principle. A dad is a person who is raising a grandson or a granddaughter. Of course, we know a son or a daughter that's always been a dad. Maybe it's a stepson or a stepdaughter. Or what about an individual that you mentor, maybe at work, somebody that you've decided, you know what, I'm going to pour into their life as much as I can. I'm going to tell them that they're important. I'm going to convey these things to them. Or what about a relative that you help or influence in some way? Or what about any other person that maybe not even in your own, you know, uh, family circle, but you're influencing them? Now, I don't know about you, but this is something that our world is kind of common with this. And my daughter, who has a really, really snarky sense of humor. I don't know. Do any of y'all have a kid that's got a snarky sense of humor? At least it makes you laugh, right? So go back one slide. This is literally a cup from my daughter, a coffee cup. Dad, you've always been like a father to me. Thanks. That's great. So you know who you are. And yes, the stream is back up. And you know who you are. You know who gave that? My daughter, Tori, she got a little too much of my sense of humor. I'm just putting that out there. But you go to where Paul talks in the New Testament about people that he is a father to. And I want to go and look at a couple of these scriptures so you understand. I'm not just trying to be Mr. Pop psychology here. I want to talk about Paul, the father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, he wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, Even if you've had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. In other words, what he's saying is, is I taught you how to have faith in Christ. I was the one who poured into you and helped you to grow in your spiritual life. I'm your spiritual father. That's what Paul is saying. And then if you know the story, Paul is probably an old man. And Timothy is probably a very young man. And as Paul is about to pass off the scene, and as Timothy is rising to prominence, look how Paul describes himself and refers to himself. He says, Paul, he's writing a a note and a letter to Timothy that we know as 1 Timothy. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true, what? Son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He's writing to him. He's like, you, Timothy, I consider you like a son to me. That's really important that we grasp and understand. This is what we see. And so even if you are a person here today who says, you know what? Maybe I'm not necessarily close with my kids. Fine. Then find somebody that you can pour into. 
Or if you say, you know what, uh, you know, I have my kids, but it feels like that time and that season is not really open for me right now. Great. Then pour into your children's children. Pour into your nephews and your nieces. Pour into somebody that you know at work needs a hand and needs some direction. Because the truth is, is that in our lives, we have been filled. We need to release and give that forward. It changes us. And when we step up, it makes a big difference. Now, very quickly, the something to learn, the second something to learn I want to share with you. Mordecai was in Israeli exile. He was raising Esther and maybe even other kids, we're not sure, but he was raising them in foreign lands. He originally was taken to Babylon and then later to Susa, which is the capital of the Medo-Persian Empire. And you can see it from Esther chapter 2. Mordecai had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And we see him, he comes on the scene, he becomes known to us when he's living in Susa in the Persian Empire that overtook in Daniel chapter 5 or 6. Sorry, just getting a blank there. But as he takes that uh, group of exiles that was there with Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon back to Susa, he takes Mordecai. And this is incredibly important. It's once again, God's fingerprints all over this story, to taking every single part and piece and making it fit into a whole that is truly beautiful. But here is the big idea that I want to talk with you about, and I hope to kind of hammer home today, especially for our dads, but I want to make sure that I tell you that if you're a mom, if you're a mom, this applies to you, just where I substitute he, put in she, <laughs> you know, and so just take this and run with this because the truth of the matter is, is this lesson is for all of us as Christians. Let's go to our big idea. Here's the big idea for us. Great fathers act intentionally to bring about good for others. Great fathers act intentionally to bring about good for others. They're not just simply worried about themselves. They're not trying to find out, how can I be blessed? They're looking for being a blessing. And it is a huge difference. Now, we've all been there, and we all know the difference that those people in our lives that are looking to be blessed by us, and then those people in our lives that are looking to be a blessing to us. It is a huge difference. And more and more and more in our world, we have people that are looking to be blessed, but fewer and fewer who are looking to be a blessing. If you desire a place where you can shine, where you can be a light in a dark world, if you want to stand out from the crowd that is out there, stop looking to be blessed and look to be a blessing. If you will do that, you will automatically be different than the vast majority of people that are walking around with you. And so if you want to be different, be a blessing every chance you get. Now let's say the big idea again today one more time, and I'm going to have you guys join me on the count of three, okay? You guys ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Great fathers act intentionally to bring about good for others. I would not say that's in our top five that we've ever done. I'm not going to lie. But you got the point, and I'm not going to belabor it. I'm going to keep moving. Last week, we talked a little bit. I love you guys. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm not exactly the best leader of, you know, anyway. All right. Here is what we talked about last week. We talked about how Esther was and some of the characteristics of her life. And we learned some things from her. This is what we said Esther was. And I'm just going to put it up there very quickly. Esther was our heroine. She is the one who is the heroine of the story, the, the female lead, if you will, in this incredible unfolding drama. 
But there are lasting effects for Esther about, you know, these things. And let's go to this next slide as well. In Esther chapter 2, verse 19 through 20, when the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. But Esther had kept her family background and nationality a secret, just as Mordecai had told her to do. Listen, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. Now, let's camp here for just a quick second. How many of you ever raised a child? You don't even have to say their name. Maybe you're already raising a child still to this day, but you knew that as soon as you turned your back, they were going to stop doing the thing that you had told them to do because you were no longer looking at them, standing over them, yelling and pointing at them to get that job done right now before I ground you forever. Or is, I'm sorry, I, I lost myself there for a moment. Maybe it's just me asking for a friend. Have you ever had that experience? You know who I'm talking about. You don't need to call their name. <laughs> Some of them might be in the service with you today. Let's not have a bad Father's Day. Let's have this on the positive side. As soon as you turned around, they're going to do what they're going to do. And it didn't have anything to do with what you had told them to do. Now, <laughs> it's a joke. Usually this is toddler, elementary age, teenage, that kind of thing. But as they get a little older, as a dad, the most blessed thing that I can tell you, and I'm, I'm not old and wise or anything like that, but I have had the experience of having three daughters that are now gone from my home. And to see them living the things that we tried to be intentional about putting into their lives, it speaks the world about them, but there is nothing in the world more gratifying as a parent than this end of this thing, where she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. In other words, when she was young, she followed the instructions, but when she left she continued to do the things that Mordecai had taught her. That's powerful. That's leaving a legacy. That's leaving an indelible impact on the kids that you're raising. And this is powerful. And this is something that reminds us of who Mordecai was. Let's talk about really quickly who Mordecai was. Let's go to this next slide. He was a man who raised his orphan cousin Esther as if she were his own flesh and blood. And, and you know, his own daughter. And then he was also a very devout Jewish man who is living in exile in Susa. Now, why is this something I keep harping on? Because I want you men to listen to me and I want you to pay attention. You and I can think that we have too much going on to be worried and concerned about what we're leaving behind as a legacy. But I'm here to tell you that Mordecai had every reason to say, Man, why should I be doing this? I just need to keep my family together. I'm in exile. I started off in Babylon. Now I'm here. I have no idea what's going to happen to me tomorrow. Why do I need to even worry or think about a legacy? But that's not what he did. He stepped up. He saw a need. And instead of saying, well, I'm struggling, so somebody else can meet that need. Instead, he said, you know what? There's a need I will meet that need. I will be that blessing. 
And this is what is so powerful about Mordecai. In, in an opportunity for him to lose himself in himself, he refused to do that. And men, if you want to make an impact in any way on your community or on your kids, and anywhere and everywhere in between, you have to cease to think first of self and instead think first of others. Because here's the beautiful thing. Again, I say, you will stand out. And your children who you have a hard time reaching, they will come to you because they know you care if you will demonstrate that you care about them first. If you have their first, if you have their needs as first priority. I'm going to just say this very quickly. I don't want to linger, but I'm here to tell you that part of the reason that I'm here in this pulpit today is because I was raised by a father who was a preacher who I knew would give up everything that he had done in his ministry if I just told him he had to. If I said, Dad, I'm done with this stuff. I don't want to be a preacher's kid anymore. I don't have any doubt that my dad would have given away his ministry before he would have given away his son. And that's why I'm here knowing that it is possible to love the Lord and to pass along a legacy, and you don't have to choose one or the other. You can do your job. You can even serve a calling and in the process still leave an incredible legacy. It's going to mean stepping up, but it can be done. Men, it's not easy, but it is powerful. And can I just say, as a guy who's already had that season come and go in his life where the kids were a daily thing that I had to worry about, Man, it happens fast. Man, it happens fast. And it feels like forever, but my opportunity to daily influence my kids is already come and gone. And so I have to take advantage of the opportunities when I see them and take fullest advantage of that I possibly can. It's only for a little while, and it's shorter than you think. Now, I know some of you are able to give me an amen because you've had that same experience. Can I get an amen? I mean, when they've already left, you have that opportunity, you know, chopped way, way down. So I just encourage you to step up while you have the chance. Let's check out this video just reminding you what it means when you step up. Hey, dads. We've watched you in the rough seasons, walking your family through whatever came knocking at your front door. Sometimes they're just ordinary problems. But you aren't any ordinary dad. You've led us with a steady calm that was rooted in a lot of prayer. You gave all the time you had, and even the time you didn't. Dads, you stepped up, staying up late to finish work, being the helping hand everyone needed on days that sometimes felt endless. You wrestled with online school, tackled homework you sometimes didn't even understand. You made sure we stayed connected to those we love. Dads, you stepped up and listened when we couldn't handle the circumstances of life. And found extra patience somewhere in your back pocket, even when things boiled over. You led us through trying to understand what was happening in the world while pointing us back to the Word of God as our source for hope and comfort. Dads, you stepped up and brought fun and laughter whenever you could. But you also showed us that it's okay to feel deep disappointment and loss. 
Dad, you faced every day with courage, even in the face of uncertainty, and spent more than one sleepless night without any good answers or assurances. But you always made sure we knew this one thing, that we are loved. We are loved by you and by God. Dad, we just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Dad, for stepping up. Okay, so I'm going to move quickly here. We're going to talk about our hero, Mordecai. Not our heroine, Esther, but the hero, Mordecai, who came and was a part of building her and building her life. Very quickly, who our hero was. He was these things that we've already mentioned, but he was also a man who was involved in protecting his daughter and staying connected to her. Let's go to the next slide that shares with us from the scriptures. Esther did not reveal her nationality, just like he was told, or she was told. But notice, every day he, that's Mordecai, walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Dads, you have to stay connected. That probably means messaging in some way, because the young people, they don't necessarily answer phones or do phone calls, right? And so that means messaging, whether that's IG whether that, that's Instagram, by the way, uh, it, you know, Snapchat, you know, Facebook, whatever it is, whatever it takes to find common ground. I've spoken to some of you and you've said, you know, the thing that we connect on, my son and I, we do these things together. Whatever that is, that's what you do. Not because you love them, but because you love them. Do you understand the difference? You don't love the things that they do. You love the people who are doing those things. Now, I'm not saying find common ground if they're doing something that's destructive. But if it's video games, play video games with your kids. If it's something else, if it's outdoor activities, if it's some sort of discussion, whatever it might possibly be, you do those things not because you love those things, but because you love those people that God has given you in their life. Mordecai walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. And he did it when? Every day, he stayed connected to her. Let's go to the next slide about who Mordecai was and who he is. He's a man who's clear about his expectations and convictions. It's very clear. Let's go to this next slide as well. And this is what we find here. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. And this is Mordecai. Our hero who calls our heroine off the sidelines and brings her into the fray and says, this is your time. This is you. You have this. You have a unique platform. You have to do something. It's very clear that Mordecai is not satisfied to say, well, whatever, babe. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you something. As a parent, as a father or a father figure, you have to realize and have some wisdom when you say, you know what? I have to act. I have to do something because this is not going in a good direction. And he goes on and he says, do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that maybe you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. 
Man, gives me chills. He's telling her. He's calling something out of her that she doesn't even grasp that's in her already. She doesn't even see that God's fingerprints are all over her life. But Mordecai, as a wise father, does. And he points it out. And he's very clear. And he's also calling her off the sidelines. Listen, you as a parent, if you can't see something in your child, look harder. There is something there that you can encourage them. And you encourage them to use those things for their good and for the good of others. You call it out in them before they even know they have it most of the time. I'm going to say that again. Most of the time when it comes to kids, there are people who see something in them before they realize it about themselves. And here is what I would challenge you. Be that someone who sees in your kid what they can become, the best of who they can be, and call it out to them. Mention it. Speak to them about how they could overcome, how they could get involved, how they could be a person that they could be proud to be. This is so important, and you probably see it before they do. So important. Now, don't miss this. You may be saying to yourself, well, that's great, man. That sounded awesome. Who knows if you came to royal position for such a time as this? Man, if I could talk like that, I'd talk to my kids all the time. But I don't do words, <laughs> right? I'm not words. I'm not a dude who does words, you know, whatever you're saying to yourself. Here's the truth. You don't have to be a person who does words really well to make a big impact. This is good news. Fathers, you don't have to get it right in the moment. All you have to do is be willing to bring it back up. I share this with you guys a lot because here's the truth. You know how I know this principle works? Because I screwed up all the time. I did things that were wrong with my kids. And then I looked back later and I was like, man, I sure wish I hadn't said that. Now let's take a little survey. How many of you in here, men and women, have ever had that experience where you're like, you know what I should have said? You know what I should have said? I should have said this. How many of y'all have ever had that conversation inside your own head? So here's the great news. When you had that conversation with your kid, guess what you can do? You can go back to them and say, hey, you remember that thing that happened where I didn't really do my best work as a parent? Can we talk about that again? There you go. You have a second shot. You have the chance to go back and say, you know what? Hey, I didn't get it right in the moment. I didn't exactly knock it out of the park like Mordecai with Esther. But here's what I will do. I'll call it back up and I'll get it right this time. Or even get it most of the way right this time. Here's how you do that. Very quickly, this is just some real life examples. Here's what you can say. Let's go to this next slide. What I really wish I had said was, and then you say what you really wish you had said. I'm really afraid that what I meant to say wasn't clear so what I'm trying to say to you was, and then you tell them what you were trying to say. And here is the magic word for your child. I am so sorry. I would wish I'd never said that, or I wish I'd never said what I said in the way that I said it. You say those things, I promise your kid, they're paying attention because that isn't exactly what most parents do. So you don't have to nail it in the moment. All you have to do to nail it down with your kid is be willing to go back to that moment and bring it up and get it right. If you guys are with me, y'all say amen. amen. Amen? All right, so what do we learn real quickly? 
Very quickly, we're going we're gonna to hit these real quick. What do we learn? We learn that great dads think of their kids before themselves. Second thing we learn is the next slide. We learn that great dads do whatever they need to to stay connected with their kids. And then the third thing that we learn is we often, you know, respond. At, oh, oh, don't miss this. We respond in anger instead of having a hard conversation with our kids. And we do it because of fear. and We do it because of laziness. I wanted to set that up better. I hope that maybe you might think about that a little later on as I'm kind of trying to move a little quicker. But here's what I would say also that great dads call out the best in their kids. Now, what I meant about the laziness and, you know, the anger thing, a lot of the time we know we need to have a conversation with our kids, but we don't because we know it's conflict and so we avoid it. But here is the truth. If you take the time to sit down and say, we need to have a hard conversation, and you begin and you talk through that, you don't have to even get it all right. But most of the time what we do is we get so frustrated because we know we need to have that conversation. We know it, we know it, we know it, but we don't, we don't, we don't. And then in a moment when they push that one button in that same area that we should have already had a conversation about, we react in anger and we hurt our children and we push them away because we were lazy and we didn't have spine to say, you know what, we got to have a hard conversation and dad that loves you and is encouraging you, it looks different today. I'm not your chief cheerleader today. Today, I may be your harshest critic, but I'm doing it because I love you. Now, if you only do this and you're never the chief cheerleader, you're going to screw it up big time. But if you have that connection with your kids and you can tell them and look them in the eye and beyond a shadow of a doubt, they know this is my dad that's talking to me who wants me to be the best I can possibly be. You can change the course of a life, but you can't be lazy and you got to have connection. All right, I'm moving on. Now, very quickly, I want to talk about a big question and then we're going to talk an I apply by. Here is the big question. Who are you influencing for God and for good? And are you doing it intentionally? And are you calling out the best in them? Are they becoming what you would love to see them become as individuals and as people? Well, here's how you apply this message. It's very, very simple. You recommit to consistent, steady, intentional influence in the lives of your kids, spiritual and otherwise. You want your kids to be great adults? Don't expect that it will happen by accident. You want to see your kids learn how to do some things and do dramatically good things in their own personal lives? It's not going to automatically happen. You don't cross your fingers and hope. You get real intentional and you make sure that you're calling out, hey, this, this is something that you can do better if you will. Make plans now. Change this about you now for later it will pay dividends. This is why you are a, a, good, a good dad, a great dad. You do these things intentionally and you influence. And very quickly, you don't do it all in one sit down. You do it day by day piece by piece by piece. And in a lot of ways, kids are like puzzles. And you shake it up and you dump out the box and there's piece by piece by piece. And this piece over here on this side of the table belongs over here. And this piece over here belongs over here. And as you begin to arrange the pieces intentionally and see from a perspective of a father or even a heavenly father, you see that there are things that are out of place that need to be turned a little, that need to be fitted together a little, changed a little, 
but never scrapped and thrown away. The truth is, is your child is a gift. Your grandchild is a gift. Your niece, your nephew, they are gifts from God. To turn them away and not help them is absolutely not what God intended. He put you, men, he put you in their life for a very specific purpose. So don't scrap it and don't walk away. Very quickly, I'm going to put up a, a picture. Let's go to this next one, and then we'll come back to that one. I encourage you to go and look for this. A Marine Dad's Most Important Duty. It's a great story from Guideposts. You can look at it, and you can find it. It's a fantastic story. I just simply do not have time. But let's go back, and let's see that JFK quote. I love this quote. And for most men, just speaking gut level, heart to heart, men, you know as well as I do, we want to leave this world in a better place than we found it. We want to leave a legacy. But that can be a really daunting task because a lot of the time we don't know what that means and what that looks like. Well, here's what I would say. You don't go out and try to build a legacy by going somewhere else and doing something else. You begin a legacy by starting with the people right here around me and you make a difference and you make an impact here and it is a place where you take that stage and you launch from there. You have people that God has placed in your life specifically for you to make a difference for them. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. They're right there. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing over all of our men. May each one of them be led and directed by you. May they be people who have given themselves fully and wholly to what you have planned and what you are doing in their life. God, use us for your purposes and use us to change your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.